0: I have been asked more times this year than any of the other election years that of the 25 years I've been your pastor. How to vote, and uh, I, you know, I'm just going to touch on it. All right, uh, this is not what we do. We preach the scripture, but here's what I would ask you to do. You know, I am well aware that I remember a time, and some of you can remember this, in which one of the guys who was running for the presidency. Uh, was getting started getting, it, or his wife left him in the middle of the candidacy, and it ended his candidacy. Because in America, that was the morality, the, the moral standard that we said, uh-uh, we don't want a president who's going through a divorce. And um, I'm well aware that uh, from a moral perspective, <laughs> okay, I don't know what to tell you. I don't. Uh, it is tough right? That would be a difficult way to choose who you're going to vote for and uh, how that goes about. But I would just ask you to consider these things. Which side is going to best represent you on things like abortion? It's a big deal. And who, whoever's on the Supreme Court will determine where our nation stands for the next 30 years on abortion. That's a big deal. Civil rights. Not talking about rights of, well, although nowadays it is more rights of African Americans, again, coming back, but civil rights of today's concept is gay rights, that's the big civil rights of this day and age, which, you know, who represents you best? Uh, Education, is it something that should be done by the federal government, state government? Local government, no government. You have to ask yourself that question. Family values, and. How we raise our children, gun control, health care, immigration, Israel. This, those are the questions you have to ask yourself, honestly, you know, Who, who's going to best represent uh, what I stand for? And I know that uh, you, know, for some of you, that's somebody whose name doesn't appear on a ballot. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you there um, but here's the the dark reality of it: somebody whose name appears on a ballot is going to be our next president. That's the reality. That's where we are. You know, I mean, I'd I'd like to say that it wouldn't be. I'm I'm really praying that God does miraculous things. Um, if you have a chance to go on Facebook and look up uh, something that's been going around this week, I don't know if it just came out this week, but it's been going around this week. And it says, um, it's uh, Mike Pence to Churches or something like that, that's the title of it. And you will be thrilled to hear him say, I'm a Christian, and there was a time in which I trusted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. He use that kind of terminology. And uh, he's one step away from the presidency, perhaps, and I don't know, I'd love to see the Lord do some miraculous things, but... I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what the answer to that. Are. I don't. I do know what the answer is. I do. The answer is Jesus, right? That's the answer. And so, you know, while we get caught up in all the other stuff, let's not get so caught up in that that we forget that there's not a politician on the planet that's going to save our nation. That's not the case. And so I'll get off this. This is really not about politics. So here we are in Mark, Mark chapter 5. But it is about the answer to man's problems. Mark chapter 5, let's start at verse 1, we're going to work ourselves through most of the chapter, but uh, I won't keep you here most of the afternoon. Uh, Mark chapter 5 starts out, it says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Father, we ask that you would uh, put your hand upon the message today. God, if there's someone here that does not know your Son as their personal Savior, God, I pray that today they would, they would see their great need for Christ and they would place their faith in your Son. God, I pray for us as Christians that uh, we would be challenged uh, to tell the good news to all who need to hear it so desperately in our nation, in our world, in our community. And, Father, we will thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's look first at the impact that sin has on this man. Sin has an impact on everyone that it touches. Sin, and by the way, who is that? Who is, who is it that sin touches? Everyone. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God. So don't make this hard, right? And sin has an impact on everyone. I will grant you that not everyone who is impacted by sin will look like the description of this man, at least not outwardly. But can I also point out to you that inwardly, this is exactly what sin does to absolutely everyone. Everyone of us, all we like sheep have gone astray, every one of us touched by the ravages of sin, are being hurtled toward destruction, toward the tombs, if you will, toward death, because the wages of sin is death sin destroys everything it touches we I'm gonna keep saying this because it's the reality it destroys lives it destroys families it destroys churches it destroys nations sin destroys everything it touches and what we're seeing here in this story is a microcosm of what sin does to a person and how great that impact is and so when Jesus and his disciples get out of the ship They're met by this man who is coming out of the tombs. He is living among the the putrid uh, death, the stench of death, all of the things that sin is doing. Can I point out to you, by the way, that you know somebody, you know someone who is living among the stench of death and sin today. Sin has so messed up their lives that their lives is a total mess, and they, their life is rotting around them and they're failing to see it. And that's what this man is. Uh, I'll grant you, I know, he is demon-possessed, and not everyone who is a sinner is demon-possessed, all right? But all sin has the same impact of destroying that which it touches. Let's keep going, he is, first of all, he's coming out of the tombs, but go on, if you would, please, to verse three who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Uh, It is interesting, too, that he has this unclean spirit, uh, which is literally the demon that's living in him, but it's also true that sin impacts our own spirit and decays us from the inside out so that we literally are dead in our trespasses and sins, the Bible says. And then beyond that, it says no man could bind this guy. No man. Here's the idea of binding. Uh, we, we get stuck sometimes, I think, on the chains and the, and the fetters. You know, his hands are bound, his feet are bound. He, we, we get caught on that concept, but think of it this way. No one could bring his sin under control. You know, there's someone out there who's using drugs that cannot find victory over drugs, and the, the doctors are coming and trying to do everything they can to give this guy victory over drugs, and no man can bind him. No man can bring this under control. There is not a doctor on the planet that can fix your sin problem. There's not a doctor on the planet that can fix anyone else's sin problem. But what we have is a planet that is trying to control their sin. We're throwing medication at sin. Let's medicate people into righteousness. It doesn't work. We're trying hypnosis. Let's hypnotize people into righteousness. It does not work. Let's use meditation, and let's help them to come into... That does not work. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And that's where this man is. He's being ravaged by sin, and there's no one around him that is able to bring his sin problem under control mom and dad if your kids are out of control because of sin in their lives and you're sitting there trying to bind up that sin nature for them it is not going to work they need more help than you are able to do for them they need what christ can do but thanks be to god who giveth us the victory through jesus christ that's what god wants to do for us and for this man this man is bound by his sin and no one is able to help him out. It is a life that is, he's dwelling among the tombs, he's, he's, he's comfortable among the tombs. Think about that. I mean, somebody who's gotten so far gone in their sin that when it used to be uncomfortable for them, now they're comfortable living among the stench of sin. Wow, that's a scary place. That's where he is. And we might be tempted sometimes to say that person is beyond our hope and that person is beyond our help. And that would not be God's reality because God's going to help this guy. God's going to do for him what no other person was able to do. Let's keep reading what what happens in this guy's life. Verse 3 and 4, Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters, and with chains, and the chains have been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. It's that concept. I, I think of a, of a parent who's trying so desperately to to bring to rein in their their uh, rebellious child, and trying to bind him, and the and the kid keeps breaking the chains. The kid keeps plucking the plucking them off. I I don't want your uh, help. I don't want your authority. I don't want to submit and keeps breaking it off, and that's what this guy's doing. I mean, sin is just continuing to have its control in this guy's life. Maybe it's a different kind of thing. Maybe there's not other people coming in. But you know, this concept of no man includes the one who is afflicted. Do you know that there's nothing he can do to free himself from sin either? It is not by works of righteousness as we have done, by grace we save through faith that not of ourselves, the gift of God, not of works. There's nothing this guy can do to break these chains that are binding him. And maybe you're here this morning and you're bound up to the internet and you can't break that chain. You cannot get control of your sin problem. There is a God in heaven who wants to do something for you. The only question is whether or not you and I will allow that to happen. Now, in this story, what begins to take place is that um, Jesus talks to the to the uh, demon for just a moment. We'll read through that part of the story, but that's not really what we're going to focus on today. I'm aware that most of the sin issues that you and I deal with do not involve demon possession. All right? I'm aware of that. So I know that this is the... This is the uh, extreme that is being, being shown to us here. But this is the extreme that happens when sin goes without being dealt with through the power of God. And so while I'm aware that we're probably not going to deal with demons this week, we are going to deal with temptation and struggle. Let's go ahead and read, you, read the story just so that we are aware of what's going on. Verse 5, And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Uh, Before we get to the conversation with the demons, look what else sin is doing to this guy. Sin brings this guy to the place where not only is he comfortable living in the stench, but this guy is now hurting himself. He is now allowing harm to come to his own person for the sake of keeping hold of his sin. Do you know anybody like that? Do you know anybody? Anybody? who is actually kind of stepping out on the on the verge of the horrors of sin to their own hurt. It's like that guy who, who says to himself, I, I can control this, I don't need any help. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or internet, I've got control, I don't need any help. And to his own hurt, he's like cutting himself. It's a sad thing to watch, isn't it? It's difficult for you and I to watch people that we love and care about hurt themselves with the sinful choices of their lives, bringing upon themselves the, the destruction that sin has. And yet, that's what this guy is doing. He's cutting himself, and uh, it's, it's not working. He can't get control of this. Verse 6 says, but when Jesus, when he saw Jesus, I'm sorry, far off, he ran and worshipped him. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Now Jesus is going to have a conversation with this demon. And the demon saying, Why don't torment me, please? And and this is why, it says, For he said unto him, Because he said, Come out of him. Verse 9, and he asked him, Jesus, asked him, says, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. It is an interesting thing, by the way, that the devils cannot help but bow down and worship the Savior. You know why? Because the Savior is Lord of all. And one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The devils themselves cannot resist But to bow down and worship jesus and he's come out we are many he says we are legion verse 10 and he besought them sought him much that he would not send them away out of the country now there was nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding pigs feeding and all the devils besought him saying send us into the swine that we may enter into them and forthwith jesus gave them leave and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep pl- place into the sea. They were about 200, or I'm sorry, about 2,000, and they were, ch- and were choked in the sea. And it's kind of an interesting thing, you could think this through. Even the pigs knew better than to allow themselves to be demon possessed. <laughs> think about that for a minute, but that's another, n- another message. And they that fed the swine, fled, and told him the city and the country, and they went out to see what was done, and they come to Jesus and see, Now this is where I want to get to. So we see the ravages of sin on this man's life. Let's see the impact that Jesus is able to have on this man's life. Take a look at verse 15. And they come to Jesus and sent him and saw him that was possessed of the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, it is an amazing thing when people come to Christ, people who could not have any peace whatsoever, who, who struggled so desperately to have peace that they would cut themselves and hurt themselves. They would go up and shoot drugs into their arms and, and have illicit relationships with people and, and do all kinds of hurtful, harmful things to themselves in order to try to find some kind of peace in this world. But when Jesus comes in, he's sitting. He's at peace. Because Jesus brings peace, folks. If you're here this morning and your life is just a turmoil with sin, and you're struggling, you're you're out there looking for some kind of peace in this world, for some answer to, to this world's problems and condition, let us show you Jesus. He is the answer. He is the one who can bring peace. They come and they see this guy, this same guy that they could not bind. They could not tie up and hold him down because sin was so ravaging him. This is the guy they find sitting. It's an amazing thing. Not only is there an inner change in this guy where he's able to sit, but there's an outer change in this guy. He is clothed. The Bible says. Prior to this, he's running around naked in the tombs. Prior to this, he is running around naked, cutting himself, being bound. And when Christ comes in, everything begins to change. And amazingly enough, I mean, it would be hard to recognize this guy. If every time you saw this guy, he was always naked. You'd be like, who's this guy with clothes on? Because when Christ comes in, he changes us from the inside out. And this guy has peace, and then his testimony begins to shine through. He begins to allow people to see Christ outwardly. And beyond that, not only does he have peace, and not only is he now sitting in clothed and his testimony is clear, but he is now in a right mind. He's able to think. He's able to make decisions. He's able to, his future is being impacted by Jesus Christ. He's now going to be able to think and reason, make decent decisions. His life has changed forever because Christ stepped in and did what no other person could do. No one could help this guy. And folks, I'm, just, I'm here to tell you, if you're trying to fight your sin with medicine, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. Sin is greater than a doctor. It is. Sin and the ravages of sin are greater than anything this world has to offer. And if you're trying to fight it with drugs, if you're trying to fight it by going from one relationship, to another relationship, to another relationship, seeking for something to give you satisfaction, to give you peace, to give you joy, you're not going to find it there. This world has nothing to offer. But Christ steps in and this man is sitting and clothed and in a right mind. And the impact that Christ has on this man is incredible. This is what salvation does. When we ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins, he cleanses us, the Bible says. All of our sin debt is paid, and we stand before God sanctified, justified, glorified. We are now righteous in Christ, clothed in his righteousness and we stand before god clean and everything changes so if you're struggling to find peace struggling to find meaning something to live for god has something to offer you if you've been turning from one person to another person to another person trying to find it god has something to offer you it's salvation through jesus christ It's an amazing thing what happens at the end of this guy's testimony being written out here in Mark chapter 5. Go on, if you would, please, to um, verse 17. It says, they that were out there saw and they were afraid. I'm sorry, verse 16. "and And they that saw it told him how it befell him that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine, verse 17 says, and they began to pray or to beg or to ask him, Jesus, to depart out of their coasts. Now, this is, this is going to be key. Christian, listen up, because this, this part is for us now. You know, not everyone that we talk to about the Lord wants to hear it. Sometimes, literally, the gospel is frightening to people, and the power of the gospel is frightening. These people walked in, and they saw this man sitting clothed in his right mind. They saw a total change in this man's life, and they have a couple of options before them. And they say, yikes, that's frightening. You know, I have literally talked, you probably talked to people too, about the Lord before. And one of the things that's holding them back from accepting Christ as their Savior is that they know that when they get saved, things will change and they don't want things to change. They don't want that change. And so they say, uh, and they literally ask Jesus, would you please just leave? That's one of the responses people have to Christ. Not everyone is like this man who's out there so desperate for any help at all that he is ready. Some are like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want it. And so they're asking Jesus to leave. But I want you to see what happens to this man. The impact that sin had was horrible, but look at the impact that Christ had. Let's keep going. Verse um, 18, it says, And when he was come into the ship, he that was, had been possessed with that devil prayed him that he might be with him. So here's this man who'd been living in the tombs, naked, now clothed in his right mind, says, Jesus, I want to come with you. Jesus, please let me go with you. And this is kind of a shocking thing. Because Jesus, who typically would walk by somebody and say, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they'd follow him, right? Jesus says, this guy he says, Please let me follow you. Jesus, says, no, no. I want you to stay here. Because where he is needs the gospel. And look what Jesus says to him. It's an amazing thing. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And verse twenty, and he departed, and began to publish, to tell, to share, to evangelize, to capitalist, and everything that was right around. I want to ask you this question, Christian. If I were to come to your house at Thanksgiving. Does your family know the great things that God has done for you and how he has had compassion on you? The first thing that Jesus says is go home and tell your family, if I were to go to work with you tomorrow, do the people you work with know how great things God has done for you and the compassion that he's had on you? See, God has maybe not called you to go to Africa or Asia or someplace to the mission field. You may be much like this guy who God said stay right where you are and be a witness to those around you. But folks, until we are changed enough by the gospel of Christ to go and publish what God is doing, to tell other people how God has had compassion on us. What a story this guy has to tell. Can you imagine this guy going up to his neighbor? Hi, you remember me? Uh, No, I was a guy down at the tombs. Here, let me show you the scars to prove it. This is where I cut myself for so many years. But I met Jesus, and he had compassion on me. And he changed me. And in a moment, I went from where I was to sitting and clothed and in a right mind. And when you and I will publish to others the great things that God has done for us, the gospel has a great impact. The problem is we like to skip that step. We're bad about taking that next step of saying, okay, I may not be called to the mission field, but I am left to be a witness. So you and I are here. Folks, if there's a, a country in the, on the planet today that needs the gospel, we live in it. Do you understand that? Do you remember, what, I, I got a great amen just a few minutes ago when I said, there's not a politician that's an answer to the problems of America. And I Amen you know what the answer to America is? It's Jesus. And you know how America is going to hear about that answer? It's these witnesses that God has left here to do a job. You and I are the maniac of Gadara. And our lives have been wondrously changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now, sitting and clothed And in our right mind, we have a responsibility to go and tell our family and tell our friends of the great things that God has done for us and of the compassion that he's had on our soul. So quite frankly, the answer to America is sitting in this room today. It is God's people doing with the gospel what he's called us to do. Will we do that? Folks, there are people out there cutting themselves, looking for what we have. And they're not finding any other help because there is none other under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. It is only Jesus Christ. We have the answer. We have the answer and our family, and our friends, and our co-workers, and the kids we go to school with, and our neighbors need for you and I to publish it. Will we do that? Heads bowed, eyes closed, please, for a moment.